Brew Strong is brought to you by morebeer.com, where a man can brew like a man. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. It's another hey, everybody. fine episode of Brew Strong here with uh, Jamel Zanishev, myself, and my and good John buddy. John Palmer. John, John, John Palmer, Palmer, Palmer. <laughs> yeah, and, it just doesn't work, does it? <laughs> we're, we're one-third of the way into our water ganza. It's three shows back-to-back, if you're listening live, of uh, nothing but uh, talking about how to how to take your water from... Uh, just being the, you open the tap and put it in your beer to uh, really crafting and uh, making the, the right water to make uh, all of your beers uh, you know that much better. To, to take something from just a, a really good beer to outstanding. The, the very subtle differences when, let's say you're in competition and uh, you are... Uh, uh, you know, head to head with another beer, for example. You know, you both got Munich Hellas, and and there's nothing but Pilsner malt in, in both of them. Uh, you know, the guy that's got the right kind of water profile is probably going to edge out. Uh, all things, uh, other things being equal, he's going to edge out and be the winner. So yep, you want to want to you know pay attention to that. So uh, that's what we're doing for three full hours of water games. And uh, speaking of which. Uh, as far as competition goes, uh, you know the NHC, the National uh, Homebrew Competition, is is underway as we speak, and uh, the conference is coming up. And uh, our good uh, sponsor, MoreBeer dot com, uh, and the folks at MoreBeer, they've got that uh, Concord location, and uh, they're kind enough to uh, receive all those entries for us. So if you're if you're entering in the West region, uh, all those are going down there to the Concord store, uh, and uh, you know rather than shipping it. You might want to uh, you know drive them down there and uh, and uh, check out the store, pick up a few items from uh, uh, More Beer, or go online morebeer dot com and thank them for uh, sponsoring the show. All right. So uh, last show we kind of covered where um, the basics of of the components of water, uh, things uh, you know levels of uh, various. Uh, uh, minerals that you would want in the water and, and how they affect kind of the, the flavors of the beer. Now, the, the, the thing that I think is lost uh, or very difficult for a lot of people is, all right, now, John, I'm starting to understand exactly why I would want to do this and some of the things that are in there that I can't see. Now, how do I go about changing the water to, to, to match this given let's say I, I do know what my water is and I do know where I want to get going uh, you know how do you adjust it you know what what adjustments do you make um, you know do I uh, buy a, a tablet and throw it in the water or uh, you know how, how do you go about it yeah it's it it all depends on what you're starting with um, and to recap the last show a little bit, we talked about you know the components in the water, the calcium, magnesium, bicarbonate, sulfate, sodium, chloride. One thing we didn't really mention was the water pH. And the reason I didn't mention it is because it doesn't really matter. <gasps> <laughs> but how? What do you mean? Well, tell me, Mr. Wa- Wizard. <laughs> the water pH, pH is is a balance it's a it's a quantization of the high um, hydroxide ions to the hydrogen ions and so on and so on but it's really it's a you can look at it as a balance like on a seesaw of your positive ions to your negative ions and you can have two kindergartners on that seesaw or you can have two gorillas and you can have the same ph so you can see where when it comes to brewing, when you're trying to say what what water am I starting out with, 
yeah, there's a big difference between starting out with two, you know, toddlers on the seesaw and starting out with two gorillas. So, water pH doesn't make much difference. It's it goes back to residual alkalinity. It's balancing the triangle of water hardness, water alkalinity, and your grain bill. That those three things balance to form the mash pH, and that drives the beer pH and your flavor expression. So when we talk about water adjustment, we're talking about influencing that balance. And you can do that by adding uh, minerals such as uh, calcium sulfate, gypsum, um, calcium carbonate, chalk. You can also do it by adding acids. Um, Different acids that uh, people use are lactic acid. Now that one has you know a definite flavor, so uh, you don't always want to use lots of lactic acid because you'll start tasting it unless that goes with the style. Um, an, an acid that uh, can be added, but it's maybe hard to find exactly you know food grade acid is uh, hydrochloric acid, or otherwise known as muriatic acid that people put in their swimming pools. Um, but I think, you know, if you're only adding a couple of milliliters to a full batch of beer, uh, you, you know, very little health risk involved. John thinks it probably may not yeah, exactly right. kill you. Right. Um, <laughs> sulfuric acid would be a great one. Yeah. Uh, you know, that would be, you know, that would just be adding hydrogen ions and sulfate. I mean, sulfate is, you know, appropriate in many beer styles. Well, how about the one used in soda, the phosphoric acid? Phosphoric acid is good. Um, it has a very neutral flavor. The issue is that um, when you put phosphoric acid into uh, a mash or a wort, um, it precipitates calcium phosphate. And so you all, when you add phosphoric acid, you're, you're changing the playing field. You're changing your water hardness directly by precipitating out some of the calcium that had kind of set up your original triangle. Now, if you've got... You know, if you've got good pH test papers and uh, or a pH meter, and you can monitor the pH shift, you know, uh, accurately while you're doing this, you can still use phosphoric acid. But you just need to be aware that it is changing the playing field. So yeah, well, I would. So just a minute here. Hold on. Hold your horses. Now okay. you were saying uh, that pH doesn't matter. But uh, uh, water pH should, doesn't. Should should we, you know, so if if you make your proper mineral adjustments, your water adjustments as far as, uh, uh, you know, uh, additions to your water, you shouldn't need to worry about the pH of the mash, right? Right. And you're, but you should still have, a, or you're saying you don't worry about the the water pH because once you've got everything adjusted, the mash pH will turn out right. But you're still going to want to verify your mash pH with a with a meter or papers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're going to want to double check that um, because when it comes to water adjustment, you know we're using models. We're using and often what are essentially linear models uh, to predict the outcome. Um, and nature isn't linear. It usually has a hump. So um, you do want to be able, you know, still monitor uh, your, your mash pH right. uh, when you're doing these adjustments. But you can use minerals. You can use uh, calcium chloride, calcium sulfate, calcium carbonate, magnesium sulfate or Epsom salts, mm-hmm. um, baking soda, sodium chloride, table salt. Um, all these can be used to influence the mineral content of the water. Okay, so so uh, you're saying uh, we could use acid to adjust pH, or we could use these salts, but uh, which is better? I mean, if, if I've got a choice of uh, using uh, lactic acid or uh, some salts, uh, you know, uh, everything else being equal, what, what what's better? If you want to get to Pittsburgh, what's better, a train or plane? Well, it depends. <laughs> yeah, it depends. It de- the depends, you know, on how you want to get there and what experience you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of think from a uh, original, you know, brewing city kind of um, you know development of the style of the beers that. Uh, chances are they probably didn't directly add acid to the mash the first thing, you know, as they were developing a style. They were probably 
working with the local water, which probably had a mineral profile similar to what we're trying to emulate. So I kind of lean towards the salt end to start with. What about the Germans with their acid rest or their acid malts? And the the uh, the lime additions to take um, to lower the bicarbonates, yeah, all that is very true. So mm-hmm. it, it depends. It depends on the particular situation. Right. I I tend to f- try the salt aspect first. Right. Some styles are you know depending on what you're starting with, mm-hmm. you may not be able to get there effectively mm-hmm. from just salt additions. You may need acid. So it, to depen- help. it depends on what your water is like, yep. and the water that you're trying to target. Uh, for right. whatever batch of beer you're brewing, you right. may need to. Uh, you may be fairly close, and or you may have. You may be past that goal a little bit, and you use some acid to just adjust down and call it close enough. Or uh, you're way past it, and you need to start with deionized water, or at least uh, use some uh, some uh, distilled or deionized or RO dilute, water yeah. to dilute your water down. Or uh, and then uh, you know build back up with salts. So it kind of depends on where you're starting and what your target is. Is what you're saying? That's right. Okay. Yeah, you need uh, you need to understand you know what, how that triangle appears before you start you know moving things around. And uh, the uh, the style of beer that you're trying to do too you know is one is one corner of that. Now if you um, Keep losing my train of thought here. Train keeps leaving the station. Um, you should have taken the plane. Yeah, exactly. No, what I was, was going to say was. Well, here's a question for you. So All you right. mentioned, uh, you know, uh, classic brewing cities, and yes. you know, there we go. because of the salts and things like that, you, you would think the salts would be a, a better way to emulate that brewing uh, city. But do you always want to emulate a classic brewing city? Whatever beer you're brewing, you want to say, well, you know, this is a you know a beer that was brewed in Burton on Trent, so I need the the water of Burton on Trent. I mean, do you just automatically go with that or? No, you don't. And that, uh, thank you. That was the that was the point I was looking for. Uh, you know, water profiles as you find them published on the web, on the internet, and so on. They're they're annual averages. They're a snapshot in time. They may or may not reflect uh, the actual water that the brewer is brewing with, or what the uh, or what the brewer did to that water to actually brew the style. It's it's an you know it's a target. It's an indicator and Let's go back to residual alkalinity. What we've said about residual alkalinity is that it's the big picture. When you when you when you look at your water hardness and your alkalinity and your malt bill uh, for a particular uh, you know for a particular style, you want that mash pH to come out you know at the optimum you know in the five two you know five four range, and to drive the beer pH you know the final beer pH to get that in the optimum range to to get the the true expression of that beer's flavor, and I think or residual alkalinity dominates. It, it's that's your first cut when you when you're trying to manipulate your water. Worry about getting the residual alkalinity right first. Then, if you look at that look at that profile that you've generated compared to say the classic city for that style or that you're trying to emulate, you know if you're close on the sulfate. That's good enough. If you're close on the chloride, that's good enough. If, if, um, but if you, on the other hand, if you've you've targeted the RA and your chloride to sulfate ratio is reversed, you know, compared to the city you're trying to, you know, emulate in the beer, in the beer style you're trying to brew. Let's say it's a Munichellis, where you're trying to have a less bitter, maltier balance in that beer. Uh, and you've, in you know, the mineral additions that you've made to reach the residual alkalinity targeted for that beer color is high in sulfate, then you know you, your beer isn't going to taste right. So um, while you want to look at the residual alkalinity first, you do want to look at your flavor minerals, your your sodium chloride and sulfate, um, and your and particularly your chloride to sulfate ratio second. And 
uh, make sure that that is also targeting the beer style. So uh, it's not necessarily the total amount of sulfate. And a lot of people, I think, go right. with uh, the total amount of sulfate, and they look at just that and think, well, that's going to give me a, a great IPA uh, because I got all this uh, sulfate in there. And they go to some certain extreme. And what you're saying is, you know, maybe more importantly, uh, the ratio between the chloride to the sulfate. Even if your total sulfate is lower than what the target city is, uh, right. as long as your ratio is appropriate, that might actually produce a better flavor beer than if you were to try and bump the whole thing up. That's right. That's right. In fact, um, malting and brewing science and or the uh, technology of brewing by Coons, I mean, they, they all state that they were... Um, the chloride to sulfate ratio uh, appears to be relatively independent of total amounts. It's the ratio of the two. So, you know, if you look at look if you're looking at Burton on Trent, or if you're looking at Munich, or looking at Dortmund, look at look at the approximate chloride to sulfate ratio that you're seeing there, and target that ratio more than uh, necessarily the, the total amounts of each mineral. That's uh, you're gonna and if you if you hit the RA the residual alkalinity and that ratio, uh, I'd say you're 99 percent of the way there. Well, I think that's a very important point because uh, traditionally on the uh, the lore of the internet, it's always yep. oh you need to have you know a certain amount so dump in until you reach this amount because that's what's <laughs> important. That's what the the water in Burton on Trent is. And, uh, you know, or that's what the water in, you know, uh, Dortmund is. And uh, yeah. I think people go to the extreme. And I think that's one of the, the dangers, right? That's one of the potential problems with trying to adjust your water. That's uh, right. You can, you can overdo it, right? You easily can overdo it. Yeah, just like in cooking. You know, too much of one seasoning or the whole, you know, if you, you keep balancing the seasonings and those get higher and higher, pretty soon all you taste is seasoning. You don't taste the food. Same with the beer. You've got to, you want to, you know, adjust in moderation. You're looking for, you know, um, relativity. You're looking for flavor relativity being chloride and sulfite and, and the other minerals. Mm-hmm. But uh, if so, like I said, but pH, if you get the pH right, then the flavors will be expressed correctly. Mm-hmm. So pH, which is uh, residual alkalinity versus your uh your grain bill. Uh, your grain bill. Uh, if you have more dark malts, they tend to be more acidic. Is that correct? That's right. And th- that that kind of brings us to the tools that we use for calculating residual alkalinity. Um, uh, perhaps many of you out there are familiar with my nomograph in my book. Um, and Jamil, I know you've seen it. Uh, How to Justin's brew? Seen. You can yeah. actually buy it. Uh, signed copies in the Brewing Network store. If you get a chance, it's an excellent book. It's uh, one of my favorites. I think it's uh, it's got information in there for everybody. Uh, you know, from beginner to advanced uh, to expert brewer, you're going to find something in there that you did not know, or you're going to find some handy charts. Uh, well worth the price, and uh, you know, uh, if you buy from the Brewing Network dot com, yeah, 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 going to help help out the Brewing Network. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good thing. Just a little plug but, in there for the for the Brewing Network. Thank you. <clears throat> so, but so the nomograph in, in in there. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I've seen it, and uh, you know, I have a pretty good idea how to use it, but I'm not sure it's that apparent to uh, most of the folks listening. You know, yeah. it's a, it looks like science. It looks like a slide rule. It looks like something some engineering geek would come up with and put in the back of his book. <laughs> that, that's tell you. probably a very fair statement. Right. Um, so since I, since a lot I of brewers are more more artists and uh, and uh, you know along those lines, there's there's as many uh, uh, artists as there are scientists in brewing. I think. Uh, that's true. You know, maybe maybe for the artists out there that uh, aren't familiar with the slide rule or the nomograph, uh, maybe you can uh, kind of give a rundown how to use that thing. Sure. Um, since I'm going to be rambling on pretty good, why don't we take a quick break and uh, I'll dive into it when we get back. That sounds good. Good time to take a short break, uh, pay some bills here, and uh, you know we'll be back with uh, the geeky stuff right after this.
Bruce Strong. This is Bruce Strong. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. And the new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. White Labs, your source for maltose mowing monsters, announces the White Labs Platinum lineup for 2009. Looking for out-of-the-ordinary yeast to make the best beer possible? The Platinum strains from White Labs are only available for a limited time and make your homebrew stand out. Through February, find Australian Ale, Essex Ale, and Dusseldorf Alt Yeast. March and April, it's Nottingham Ale, Abbey 4, and Mexican Lager Yeast. And May through June, don't miss Premium Bitter Ale, Belgian Wit 2, and Belgian Bastogne Ale Yeast. Keep up with all the great yeasts in the White Labs Platinum Program at whitelabs.com, where you can also join the White Labs Customer Club. Brew with the freshest and most unique yeast with the White Labs 2009 Platinum Strains. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Fuel, what's your fuel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're we're back in in our water ganza, and John, I'm ready for you to give me the testicles <laughs> on your uh, nomograph here. Yeah, well, put 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 the technical in the uh, in the nomograph. Okay, you kind of okay. break that down for us. How you'd use that uh, page number in the book, all that stuff. Yeah, start from the basics. What, what the so like we've been talking about residual alkalinity it's a balance of hardness to alkalinity and it works with your malt bill your malt color mm-hmm. kind of drive the whole balance thing mm-hmm. so what the nomograph is designed to do is allow you to take your calcium magnesium and alkalinity numbers from your water analysis report from your city and draw a line through those to determine um, kind of the what what beer color you should be brewing for that water. 
And uh, the way it does it, there's a uh, calcium-magnesium scale on the bottom, an alkalinity scale where you can use either bicarbonate or total alkalinity uh, as, as calcium carbonate and scale in the middle. And you draw a line through there, and you come up on the residual alkalinity scale as calcium carbonate across the top. And above that is a color bar that has kind of gradations from um, pale yellow on the left side to uh, dark brown on the right side. And uh, you'll see right about um, in the orange area, there's a, uh, the RA value is zero. So what you're saying there is that the hardness and the alkalinity of the water balance each other for um, kind of typical beer colors from uh, pale gold into uh, light amber and kind of a to a deep amber. Um, that's a residual alkalinity level of zero. As you go to darker colors, you're going to want more residual alkalinity to um, help balance the uh, acidity of the dark malts. Now, now on so for for most um, water municipalities in the U.S., um, don't they try and and reach some sort of average balance of residual alkalinity and hardness and uh, you know at least in some sort of general range so it's not at the the wild extremes? Don't they do that in order to kind of protect the pipes and all that sort of thing? Yeah, they they'll uh, often add lime. Uh, to the water, some uh, calcium hydroxide mm-hmm. to drive the pH up a little bit. Um, generally, municipal water supplies are in a pH of seven to like eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Some in some cases you'll get them up to nine, mm-hmm. but generally, you know, seven and a half to eight and a half is your is your average, mm-hmm. which you'll see. And yeah, they they'll take uh, a water source out of the ground and uh, they'll adjust the pH of that water. To that range, you know, seven and a half to eight and a half, because it doesn't it doesn't attack copper. One of the uh, mm-hmm. the more acidic the water, it will start uh, it'll start leaching copper off the pipes, and mm-hmm. and you'll see it as you know blue rings in your bathtub and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, they don't do much. So um, for a lot of a, a lot of water municipalities, there's a kind of a general range of colors of beer that. Would work out right, like you're saying that. Uh, yeah, generally the the amber, you know, the um, the light amber to dark amber is, you know, the, those are the 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 alkalinity of that water is going to lend itself to that color of malt and that color of grain bill, and the residual alkalinity to uh, and the beer and the mash pH and the beer pH will all work out. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, and from from a homebrew instruction point of view, you know when you're when you're talking to most to many brewers and they're going to do their first all grain, they're typically doing a pale ale or a brown ale or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're doing stouts too. But you know, you just say, "Yeah, don't worry about your water. It's probably okay. You know, it's good enough. It'll work, right? right. And it will work. Brewing is a very robust process, and it'll work. Mm-hmm. But when you start, you know, really trying to target a particular style of beer, that's when you want to understand how well it's working and how how it could be a little different. Now, I th- I think the nomograph is great, and it's a great tool, but. Uh, isn't there, you know, it, it's not a hard and fast rule, right? Because uh, the color of a beer can be comprised of different things. So there's there's different ways to get that color, with whether it be uh, kind of the uh, the caramel the caramel malts, let's say, and lower lova bond stuff, or if you're going more with uh, a bunch of uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, it would take a, a yeah, couple pounds yeah. of uh, caramel malts, or it would take an ounce of uh, black patent black. in order right. to uh, get the, a similar kind of color range. And so, uh, doesn't that kind of throw it off a little bit? It does. The, the nomograph is is arm waving at its finest. You know, we're we're we. I, I guess I should say I and AJ Delang. We all kind of generalized what. Um, beer style 
worked with a certain range of residual alkalinity from you know looking at reports of classic brewing cities and the beers that used to be brewed there and so on i mean it's all generalization but it, you know it, but unfortunately it does hold pretty well mm-hmm. but yeah there the different malts that you use have a big effect um Bob Hansen of Brees did a neat um, presentation last last year about this time at the uh, Craft Brewers Conference where he showed that uh, the whole malt color scale, the S- degrees SRM, can be um, there is it's malt dependent. I mean, you can take um, some Crystal 60 and some Black Patent malt and arrive at the same uh, degrees SRM value, I mean, you can make a, a 20 SRM color beer with either malt. Uh, the, the instrument will register that they're the same, the exact same color. But to look at them visually, one's a deep amber mm-hmm. and one's a dark brown. Mm-hmm. The machine reads them both the same because right. it, it actually works by a light, the amount of light absorption. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there, and there's so there's. It turns out there's really two classes of malt. There's your your ro- your toasted malts, and then there's your roasted malts. Your toasted malts are anything from base malt up through your crystals. Uh, your roasted malts are um, brown malt, um, you know, chocolate malt, black malt. Uh, uh, Black Patent, Roast Barley, all those ones. There, There's a kind of a dividing line of around 325 degrees where these malts are, are kilned at that makes the difference and the difference in the Maillard reactions that occur and the kinds of uh, buffering and acidity that each malt generates. So uh, there's a lot more work to be done as far as you know being able to plug all these values into a spreadsheet and say, ah, my mash pH is going to be exactly this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not there yet. We're still at the arm waving stage. Okay. But uh, I've taken the, for instance, but I've taken the nomograph and that generalization, and I've kind of made it into a, I've made it into a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. which is on my website, howtobrew.com. Um, you and I have talked about taking that from a spreadsheet and making it into a more of a, a flash Calculator. application. Yeah, yeah which I, I still need to do that. I'm I'm lazy. Huh. Yeah, me too. Or but, I'm really busy. But let me put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, really want to do it. I just uh, get the time. Yeah, but what what you do is, you, you, especially with using the spreadsheet, you can say, well, if I add you know five grams of calcium sulfate to my water, what does that do? To the residual alkalinity, and what does that addition do to my sulfate to chloride ratio? And so, the, using a spreadsheet and other other brewing software too, you can you can start manipulating your your water, you know, precisely with precise amounts of mineral additions or and and or acid additions to uh, manipulate that uh, mash pH and the and the beer pH. Mm-hmm. Well. And, and so once you you have an idea of what you want to adjust based on the water you're starting with the uh, and the the recipe you are um, uh, going to brew uh, and you know the kind of malts in there and all that uh, how do you go about adjusting do you uh, Y'all just uh, again dump in a tablet uh, somewhere, or I mean, what, what's the what's the yeah. physical makeup of the stuff that you're adding, and what point in the brewing process do you add that? Good question. Um, you know, you, there's a lot of. I mean, you look at a classic brewing, you know, that list of classic brewing cities and their profiles, you know, their waters. Um, if you go in the lab and try to take, you know. A liter of distilled water and add, you know, teaspoon of this salt and a teaspoon of that salt to try to make up that profile. You're going to end up never works a, out, huh? Yeah, you, know, you end up with a little pile of salt on the bottom of the beaker. Yep. Um, it, they don't dissolve. I mean, nature has that advantage of time <laughs> to gradually build up these concentrations uh, that we in the lab, you know, don't have the luxury to wear away stones and you know yeah. what have you in the in the mountains before it. Uh, Gets to the tap. Yeah. So what you can do, though, is you can add these minerals, these salts, directly to the mash. 
So you you know you you basically you dough in with your water, whether it's distilled or your own prof, you know your own tap water, and you know you in doing so you you drop the pH from you know seven eight you know even nine you drop that down into the five to six range. And when you do that, these minerals are now soluble, and they will dissolve in, and they will react with the, uh, you know, the phosphates and the malt and so on. The, you know, the whole chemical system will start working together and drive the, the, uh, the residual alkalinity uh, chemistry to get down into the 5.2 to 5.4 pH range. And uh, so... If you add if you add your salts directly to the mash and stir them in, then take you know to use pH paper or pH meter to check your mash. That's that's the way to do it. How um, long does it take from adding your mineral salts to it having the effect and, and kind of being universal throughout the mash? I, you, you you scatter them on there and then you stir it in, and then yeah. how long before you check your pH? Uh, five to fifteen minutes. If uh, it should, you should see an effect within five minutes, and um, you'll definitely see an effect by fifteen minutes. It'll be stable by fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, or at least near stable. I mean, pH. You know, the pH. If you if you were to monitor that mash with pH meter, you'd probably see it gradually drift by a tenth. You Mm -hmm. know. Uh, with time, if you let it keep going, I mean. Well, and it changes as the water uh, solubilizes uh, a lot of the components yeah. of the malts and uh, frees up, and the enzymes start uh, uh, yeah. reacting or taking action, and and uh, all, all that uh, over time uh, starts starts having an effect. That's right. Yeah. Um, mainly, I mean, you're you're you want to use these these tools as just uh, tools. You want to you want to you want to Take a look at a reading, at a data point, uh, and you know, and kind of make your best guess from there. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, uh, live your life by the pH meter, but you do want to use it as a tool to gauge what you do next. And same way with you know, with mashing. I mean, you've got, you can't do it all science. You got to have the art with it too. You've got to look at that mash and and observe how it's going and taste it or you know and just and you know apply the art to brewing as well as the science. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, um, I, I got a question for you. All right, so we've been doing this uh, show, uh, Can You Brew It? The Jamil Show, Can You Brew It? And uh, <laughs> where we try and clone. Uh, uh, commercial beers that uh, people have requested. They they send an email into Can You Brew It at thebrewingnetwork.com, and then uh, you know uh, Tasty and I we interview the brewers or we do research on the internet or whatever it takes to do it, and then we brew the beers uh, multiple times until we get a clone that is exactly or that w- will pass as as the the beer uh, the commercial example. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, we did an uh, interview with Lagunitas uh, recently. We're going to have a Lagunitas extravaganza coming up. And mm-hmm. uh, I, one of my tasks was to brew Lagunitas IPA. Well, uh, <clears throat> you know, I didn't have any gypsum. I recently moved, and at the new estate, right. I could not find the gypsum. Yeah, it's too big a place. I, I just couldn't find it. It's <laughs> somewhere in the nine-car garage. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm like, well, uh, what the heck? I need to brew. I need to get this thing done. You know, the show's coming up. Got to get it done. So I start brewing. Uh, I called uh, Nick to see if he had any uh, gypsum, and he ran some out to me on his way uh, somewhere else. But by that time, yeah, I'd already dowed in. Mash was pretty much done by the time he got there. I was uh, already, uh, you know, running off into the kettle. So I went ahead and tossed the gypsum into the uh, into the boil kettle. Mm-hmm. Now, how does that affect things? Uh, you know, is is the, the, the purpose of the gypsum, the sulfates, to get the right balance uh, for the hoppiness and the bitterness? Is that where it, it really comes into play? Should I have added it to the mash? My pH in the mash is okay. I adjusted with lactic acid. I got it to the right point. But, uh, you know, I had to wait until the boil to uh, to add that sulfate yeah. there. So yeah. how how... How did what I do impact uh, what I was trying to achieve? Well, you know, you, you've hit on the, the two reasons for doing water adjustments. One is to to get the mash pH right, to get to get the eventual beer pH right. The other is for flavor, to get that chloride to sulfate ratio right. 
So by adding the gypsum in the in the boil, uh, you know you're you're working on the the flavor aspect. You're working on that chloride to sulfite ratio. Now um, you've already done the mash, and uh, the so the 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 effect of the calcium to drive the pH is going to be um, well, it's it's not needed, but I think it, it will still have some effect. Now, if you you know depending on how much lactic you had to add and uh, how much gypsum you added, you know you could end up driving the final beer pH even lower than it would have been with just the gypsum alone. Um, you'll have to wait and see. Chances are. It, I, I doubt it'll have that much effect, um, but yeah, those, those are the two places where you can. It's easy to add salts. You can add them to the mash, and what I didn't mention was that you want to add salts to the mash based on the volume of water in the mash at the time, or, or you know, especially if you're doing a single infusion, that makes it easy. You know, you've you've got say. 10 pounds of grain and 4 gallons of water in there and and that's all the water that's going to be in there and so you add 4 gallons worth of salts to you know to drive the the, the residual alkalinity and and eventual pH of that mash now uh, if you're sparging it's hard to do mineral adjustments to sparge water because they won't dissolve generally uh, there's a couple like calcium chloride that will dissolve so if you were if you're brewing, say, a, uh, a German lager and relying on calcium chloride to drive your mash pH, then you could you could put that same concentration in your sparge water and just keep going with it. But they will um, they will dissolve more readily in the the wort in the boil kettle, right? That's because right. Of the other compounds so, that are in there. Yeah. So what I what I typically do is I'll I'll add salts for the mash based on the mash volume. I'll I'll not worry about the sparge, or I'll sparge with say distilled water. Um, fortunately, where I live, I don't have highly alkaline water, so it's not going to really change the mash pH and the and the and the uh, runnings pH that much during the sparge. Um, versus say someone that lives in. Uh, Houston, Texas, where they have uh, water that has much higher alkalinity, often what they'll do is they'll add enough acid to their sparge water to drop the uh, pH of the water down to about six, kind of take the edge off, and uh, avoid you know running the mash pH up much during the sparge. But, uh, but anyway, uh, you can add it. You can add to the mash, skip the sparge, and then add uh, enough salts to the boil kettle to make up for that volume of water that you sparged with. So you end up with a you know a net uh, volume that has the concentration of minerals that your calculations had targeted. Okay. So let's take a short break and when we get back, let's get into the uh, you know what you're saying here is is you need to calculate for both the sparge and the mash then and, and the total salts is what you want. Back after this. Your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty Christmas you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way. 
Mika, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Okay, so my double IPA has an ABV of 7.5 and a clarity of brilliant. So that's a plus 8. I pour it. Sorry. Looks like she found it unpalatable. Ha! Shut up, Doug. My creek gets a plus 10 versus girls because it's a fruit beer. You can't open the bottle and she walks over to the guy with the Pinot Grigio. This sucks. Ugh, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this? Non-Alcoholics Anonymous? Dude, get out of here. We're in the middle of a brew session. Is that an actual beer? Yeah. I crafted it. I don't really uh, use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Have you ever been called upon to explain why it's named India Pale Ale? Do you burp Y-Yeast 3522 and crap Cascade? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge 24 hours a day at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Tongue Splitter. I've got dry hops stuck in my braces. And the burp. And barrel porter. Now on tap in the Mose Eisley Cantina. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Home brewers, listen up. Have you seen Mike McDowell's picture on that sweet Sam Adams six pack? Well, it's your turn. Did you know that two prior long shot winners have gone on to become professional brewers themselves? It's time to enter this year's Samuel Adams Long Shot American Homebrew Contest. Jim Cook first brewed Samuel Adams Boston Lager in his kitchen using a 100-year-old recipe from his great-great-grandfather. This is your chance to have your handcrafted homebrew recipe distributed all across America. Be the next homebrewer on the Sam Adams Long Shot Six Pack. This year's contest is going on right now, and you should be a part of it. Time is running out, though. All entries must be received between April 15th and May 1st. Go to samadams.com for all the details and to register your entry, which, by the way, is free. The Samuel Adams Longshot American Homebrew Contest. Giving back to where it all began. Enter today. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Brew Strong. We're back. We're in the middle of our water ganza. Yes. Everything you never know, ever, never know to, bleh. never wanted Easy to know about water, but asked anyway. <laughs> asked anyway. You know, it sounds Water ganza, ganza, ganza. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is, is so far, uh, in the, in the first episode, we, we kind of covered, uh, you know why you'd want to make changes to your water, what it can do for you, kind of the components that uh, you're concerned about in the in the water, and now we're kind of getting into uh, how you make those changes, how you kind of calculate those changes. But we can't really get into the specifics because we need to know what recipe we're talking about. And then in the next show, if you're listening to podcasts, it's gonna be in another two weeks. But if you're listening live, you can hear right after this. We're gonna we're gonna get into uh, specifics of. Maybe uh, we talked John into picking a, a, a recipe from uh, his and, and my book, uh, Brewing Classic Styles, and uh, you know, kind of building water, like Mason was asking, uh, building water from the, uh, the DI from the ground. RO up. water, yeah. Uh, Still. Yeah. How how would I you know put the water together for a I don't know pick a stout and pick a pick a Hellas or something. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever you think, yeah, whatever, up to you, John. Uh, but I think, I think that that's a that's a good uh, good question to ask. Yeah. And uh, so we were talking about, uh, you know, you were saying when you 
you've made your calculation of what mineral adjustment you need, what water adjustment you need, and you mm-hmm. base that on the total volume of mash water and sparge water used to get to the um, the uh, volume in the kettle. Now, me, I make more sparge water than I could ever need, so I just don't right. run out, and then I just sparge until my kettle reaches a certain volume. Right. So, so yeah, if, if you don't worry about uh, mineralizing the sparge water, it makes it kind of easy because you know that you know your mash volume. You know, you put in uh, mm-hmm. a certain water volume yeah, at a at a water to grist ratio of right. like one and a half quarts per pound or something like that to you know come up with your mash. Uh-huh. So you know exactly how much water is in there, and you can you can mineralize. Uh, but you know, it doesn't matter whether you're building from RO or adding to tap water. You can mineralize to get a specific concentration that you know the spreadsheet or the brewing software that you're using has said you know to achieve to get it to get your RA and get your mash pH right. So that's taken care of. Um, now you know that when you're going to sparge and then you're going to have a certain amount of runnings from that mash plus the sparge water in to make up your kettle volume. Well, here's where you've got to estimate that about a half quart per pound um, is has been left behind in the grain. So, you know, if you're if you're mashing with ten pounds of grain, that's roughly five quarts of water. So subtract that out, you've got say three and I don't know. Roughly three gallons of uh, mineralized water go into your kettle, mm-hmm. and now you're going to sparge, and you end up with say seven gallons in the kettle total. Mm-hmm. So you know seven minus three, you need to add another pack, another uh, group of salt additions. You know for the for the additional four gallons of water that you've put in your kettle. And then you will be roughly at the concentration, you know, the overall concentration you had targeted. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, so most of these salts you can find at uh, your local homebrew shop, right? Right. Uh, they'll they'll have uh, you know some salt of magnesium and calcium and uh, uh, some sulfate and all these things that you would use. They even have uh, those blends of salts, right? Burton salts. Right, you know right. things like that. Would you recommend people go with like a Burton salt package and just toss in uh, a certain amount, or should they go with the individual components? Some Epsom salts, some gypsum, some you know. Yeah, and then, uh, I, I would recommend the individual components. You know, because that's how I've that's how I've built up the spreadsheet and the nomograph and so on. You know, mm-hmm. knowing how much calcium you're adding, how much magnesium you're adding, how much sulfate you're adding. Well, it gives you or, better or, control, right? Right. If yeah. your individual water is high in one aspect or another, you can make that. Uh, uh, you can you can reduce the amount that you're adding of that particular salt. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it go goes back else. to it goes back to your race car racetrack you know analogy. I mean, you can't just take your favorite car and throw it in any race, mm-hmm. you know, or or say. Um, well, and expect I always, to win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can do it, yeah. but. Uh, you know the uh, Lamborghini going on uh, the Baja is probably not a good choice. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, if if the the brew shop has said, okay, you know, this is a Burton salt packet, add this to uh, distilled water. You know, for say, add this to five gallons of distilled water to mm-hmm. get a mm-hmm. you know profile that's appropriate for Burton. Well, that would probably work. I mean, I don't I don't know what that you know. Mineral profile is necessary right. uh, necessarily. I may, I may have a little different preference, but yeah, that should that should work. But when it comes to, especially when it comes to adjusting your tap water, then you need to know what your tap water is, mm-hmm. and you need to add specific salts in specific amounts to come up with you know your final profile that you're targeting. Well, I know our sponsor, uh, MoreBeer.com. They had. Uh uh, at one point, had salts for different uh, brewing classic brewing centers of the world that you added to mm-hmm. distilled water and would come up with, uh, you know, the the, the proper. Uh, Colin Kaminsky out of Downtown Joe's was was helping them uh, design that. I think. Yeah, and, and since Colin knows his water and knows his styles, eh, those those probably work. They probably work well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, it comes it comes down to you know. 
brewer preference on whether you want, you know, uh, profile A for Dortmund or you want profile B for Dortmund. You know, I mean, it's it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's again where the art comes into brewing. Right. So, uh, you know, taste is is a big part of it. So you brew the beer and see how it tastes. And if it, regardless of what the numbers tell you. If it isn't tasting exactly right, then you know maybe you need to tweak it one way or another, and maybe That's there's right. some some component to it like uh, you know your particular recipe has more highly kiln grains versus uh, you know more of the uh, the toasted grains, something like that, right? Right. right. So That's uh, right. O- always a balancing act, always an art. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, how about the uh, chat room? That's always an, an art in. Uh, Monitoring the chat room, Justin. What, I thought you were talking questions? about my leotard with the balancing act and the art, but you meant to just the chat room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a couple of good questions from the chat. Uh, someone uh, has says, hey, I just got a water cooler for my staff at work, so now I've got access to Crystal Springs water. Cheap plug there. Uh, says, I've looked up the water sheets online, but they don't provide the calcium and magnesium content. Uh, where would I find commercial water info? Well, sometimes you can find it on the Internet. Uh, other times you'll just have to call the parent company and ask them. Uh, they'll, they'll you know, tell them you're, you want to use it for brewing. They'll, pro- they'll probably provide it. Yeah, they'll probably be saying, hey, great, more, more water sold. There. You can take a sample and send it off to a lab and get that uh, uh, information off of that. Okay. That's but, true. But, you know, I, Crystal Strange probably has it, and it probably varies over time. And, uh, you know, they may give you a range, which which is okay. Again, it, it may not be the best water to brew with. That's that, that thing we're talking about. Spring water, again, may Could not be, be the, you know, it may not be the best choice. Yeah. Springs in Michigan tend to be uh, full of iron. <laughs> okay. All those rusting cars. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, here's maybe a good one for you, Jay-Z, our resident yeast master. Uh, does matching the yeast with the water style provide a more proper style, uh, enhancing the flavors. Uh, to clarify, he just says, you know, does the yeast and mineral content in the water work together to make, say, a super in-style beer? Does it make it more? I actually think that's one of the best questions we've ever had asked from the chat, um, because it really kind of looks at the big picture, and, you know, we talk about uh, brewing various styles of beer and how uh, yeast selection impacts that. And, you know, fermentation temperature and pitching rate and oxygen and all these things. And uh, I would I would say the, the mineral content of the water will affect that as well. You know, not to mention just the pH, proper pH uh, after the mash and after the boil. Uh, that's going to affect things. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to affect the flavors that uh, the yeast produce, uh, you know, their ability to attenuate properly. All that, it's all intertwined. So I think that's an excellent question. Whether it's going to be more two style or not, I, I think you know there is you know in styles there isn't just one beer uh, that defines a style. A style is a range of beers generally, and it doesn't really matter. You, you don't need to be right in the center. You'd be anywhere in that range. You'd be out kind of hanging off to the edge, you know, as far as, you know, too many hops or too little hops or, you know, too dark or too light or whatever. That's fine. That's just as in style as one smack dab in the middle of that range. So don't don't fall into that trap of uh, always thinking that, uh, you know, style needs to be uh, exactly, you know, one thing. It's a range of things, and it's just kind of where you can group a beer together. So sorry I kind of... Uh, off on, off on a tangent there, but what about you, John? What do you think of uh, of the impact of uh, the mineral composition of water on uh, fermentation, specifically yeast selection? I, I think um, from the from say the calcium standpoint, um, it, it can have an effect. If you, I, I one thing one thing I see a lot is you know people say I'm going to brew a pilsner style beer and I'm going to brew this using brew, yeah. brew it using distilled water only. Um, you know, and they'll know, they'll have some trouble. They have a little bit of haze. They'll, you know, yeah, fermentation will, will be kind of sluggish. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's why I the one first thing I touched on was the fifty parts per million calcium recommended minimum, is because you want to have some mineral character in there. And in the next show, I think we'll talk about styles a little bit more, but. Uh, 
And yeast won't flocculate without a certain yeah. minimum level of yeah. calcium in the in the water. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in general, water and yeast, water will help yeast, but stylistically, you're probably trying to put too fine a point on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we're about out of time, but let me squeeze in one more quick question because it's a good one. Um, you talked about where to buy salts at the homebrew shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone wants to know: are are all salts the same? You know, if I buy Epsom salts at the pharmacy, is that the same as buying it at my homebrew shop? Um, what do you think, guys? Well, there might be other kind of uh, you know impurities, levels of impurities, but it's it's pretty close. I, w- yeah. I would say it's you know darn darn right the same. Go with you know support your local homebrew shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know if you can get it cheaper, really, do you need to save fifty cents on Epsom salt? But if someone happens to be in the store, uh, a salt no, is no, a salt. Absolutely. Is that what we're saying? Plus, I know yeah. people don't okay. have a lot of money to waste, but uh, yeah. you know support those homebrew shops so they won't be around to uh, make new homebrewers uh, going forward. Okay. Yeah, right. I got my Epsom salts at the pharmacy. Okay. Good, good. That's all from I the chat. I bought mine on a street corner from a guy in a in a in a jacket in the tenderloin. In the tenderloin, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and that's where I get all my powdery substances uh, to keep me brewing strong. <laughs> Anyways, if you get a chance, uh, please go buy our sponsor, uh, www.morebeer.com, and uh, tell them you appreciate them sponsoring the Bruin Network and uh, all the great programming that we come up with. And uh, if you're listening live, stay tuned. The Water Danza continues. we got another hour of John Palmer talking water, and we're going to get into the details of uh, how you comprise the water for a specific recipe. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everybody.